connecting, growing, and gaining opportunities together. Welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Travel Hub Podcast. I'm Michelle Bouchard, your host for today's show. It has been almost one full year since the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way we work, the way our kids learn, the way we shop, basically the way we live. It's overwhelming and stressful, especially because in most cases, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. Across the country, we have seen story upon story about burnout, about COVID fatigue, and how to address it from a personal and a professional standpoint. In today's episode, we are talking with Michael Levitt to get some tips on how to manage and avoid burnout amid a pandemic. Michael is the founder and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, a San Diego and Toronto-based burnout media firm. He is an in-person and certified virtual speaker and is one of the world's leading authorities in burnout, recovery, and prevention. He is a Fortune 500 consultant, a number one best-selling author, and the host of The Breakfast Leadership Show, which is a top 200 podcast on iTunes. His main keynotes focus on topics including burnout prevention, workplace culture, and working remotely with boundaries. Well, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate the time. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to give our listeners a little bit of background on just yourself. You know, in the intro, I, I gave your your bio but just maybe a little bit about yourself and the journey that led you to the Breakfast Leadership Network. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, this journey, I, mean, I could go all the way back in time to my early days of, of life, but uh, we'll, we'll fast forward to 2007. Um, I had just started a new healthcare role as a healthcare administrator or executive for a startup healthcare organization just outside of Windsor, Ontario, just across the border from Detroit. I'm a dual citizen. I immigrated to Canada in 2004, became a citizen in 2011. So I like to joke, I can vote and screw up two countries, but then <laughs> Great. I... But I leave it at that because I don't tell I don't tell people who I vote for because half of the audience will hate me afterwards. So I just rather not rather not do that. I'm like I want everybody. Can we all just get along? So that's my hope. But so I'm in this new role and it's a startup organization. So if anybody's ever launched a business or been a part of a new business, there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of things to set up. And I was doing all of it and I really wasn't delegating a lot of the work. I was doing a lot of it myself, even though I had a staff of people to do things, but they were clinicians mostly. So they were working with patients and whatnot. Long story short, I was basically working from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. seven days a week for almost two years. Wow. And that took a toll on me. And basically what ended up happening was what I like to refer to as my year of worst case scenarios. And over a period of 369 days from May 2009 to May 2010, I had a heart attack that should have killed me. I lost my job during the Great Recession. My car was repossessed and my home was foreclosed all in a year. And all those things happened because I was burned out. Burnout created all those scenarios to happen in my life because I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't resting. I wasn't doing things in life that I enjoyed doing. I just stopped doing that because I was just so fatigued and worn out and wiped out that I just wasn't doing anything. And I certainly wasn't taking care of myself and led to the heart attack. And then after that, you know, my employer, you know, wanted to go in a different direction. So here I am without a job 17 weeks later after my heart attack, in Windsor, Ontario, across the border from Detroit. And if you remember the Great Recession, the U.S. and Canadian governments 
had to bail out GM and Chrysler and almost Ford. So there wasn't a lot of jobs around. And I did a long job search, was interviewing all over the place, and finally ended up finding something in Toronto, which required obviously a pretty big relocation. And then between the time that we that I moved to Toronto and then I moved my family a couple months later, that's when the car was repossessed because when you're on unemployment for a long time, if anybody that's ever been unfortunate to be on government assistance or uh, laid off for a period of time, you don't get the same amount of money that you normally do. On top of that, you know, I was fresh off of having a heart attack, so I was on a lot of medications and I had no drug insurance coverage. So my my drug my drug bills were over a thousand dollars a month. Needless to say, food and medicine to keep me alive or make the car payment and make the mortgage payment. You know, I, I, I chose the survival route and you know, worked with my creditors and they were very gracious for as long as they could be, but unfortunately that time ran out. So I always tell people, whenever they get in any type of financial challenges, contact your creditors first before they contact you. Let them know what's going on. They will work with you um, so you don't run into a situation like I did. But after having all those things happen, I rebuilt myself and I always want to warn people or alert them that if you have burnout, you don't need to reinvent yourself. Most people don't. I did because mine was really extreme, but most people, they don't need to reinvent themselves. They just need to make a couple adjustments here and there in their lives, which will make a huge difference. So after doing all the work and reinventing myself, I thought, okay, let's figure out why did I burn out? What were my behaviors, my thoughts, my habits, beliefs, all of those things. So that was a pretty deep dive for me to go through those because I didn't want to go through what happened again because, well, the heart attack should have killed me, and quite frankly, because I had two blockages in my left interior descending artery. And in cardiology world, that artery has a nickname, and it's called the widow maker because usually if you have blockages in that artery and you have a heart attack, you die. I didn't. Um, even when the cardiologist so that did the procedure to put the stents in the artery, he looked at me and says, you don't know how lucky you are to be alive right now. And when, when you have a doctor telling you that right there, you go, whew, okay. I mean, that is a, that's what they refer to in psychology as a significant emotional event. And it was. The heart, attack, the heart attack alone, you know, it's like, oh, you had a heart attack. I'm like, okay, well, I'm still here. All right, what do we need to do? But when the doctor tells you, uh, you should be dead right now, uh, that is one of those, okay, all right, but I'm not. And I go, well, I'm not about to ask why yet, but um, I know that there's some sort of reasoning behind this. So let me, let me focus on making sure I never flirt with having another heart attack again. And so I did, you know, I made a lot of changes in my life, uh, both from a physical standpoint and nutrition standpoint, but emotionally with boundaries and all the other things that I've done. After doing that and designing my life, you know, around 2015, I'm looking around and I'm, and I'm working, I'm back in the healthcare industry. My parents wanted to have me committed for going back into the field that nearly killed me, but I knew I was going to do better. I started noticing all of my colleagues and they were looking a whole lot like the older version of me. Uh-oh, this is weird. I don't think this is a good idea. So I started talking with them. I didn't really share my story with them too much, but I'm like, okay, you look like you're on the verge of burnout here. And they're like, I'm just going to work through it, which is a common response to people that are really stressed and burned out. They think, I'm just going to work through it. And they think by working harder and longer, they're going to work through it. And that's not how you do it. 
So I thought, okay, I need to do something a little bit more about this. So I started researching a little bit more, started writing about it. And then I thought, okay, I, I need to do something a little bit more on this because as I was doing more research, I realized, wait a minute, this isn't exclusive to healthcare. This seems to be impacting every industry and every race, every gender, every country. You know, I'm like, okay, this is huge. So I thought, well, you know what, let me start this. And I thought, you know what, this might actually be an opportunity for some coaching opportunities or whatnot. So I thought, well, let's launch the business. Uh, Then I came up with the name. Uh, As with many great ideas, it came to me in the shower. And I thought, okay, what do I want to call this thing? I don't need that. It's like something different. And I was thinking, okay, I had a passion about leadership and studied a lot of the great leaders of the world, uh, current and in, in history. And I thought, okay, something with leadership. And of course, it was in the morning. And I thought, okay, you know, working with executives, which was, you know, originally who, you know, I'd been working with. I said, well, how do you get a hold of executives? And me being a, an executive myself, I was like, well, usually first thing in the morning is a good way to get them before they get into the trenches and start working all day. So I said, okay, I have you know, breakfast type of meetings, breakfast leadership. And I went, hmm, okay, I like that yeah. name. Golden. So I stuck with it, you know. it's It's been great because since then, I launched the podcast uh, actually four years ago on uh, Wednesday. It was my four-year anniversary of the oh, show. Wow. Well, congratulations. I, thank you. And I, on my calendar, I keep track of all kinds of different things. Um, but for some reason, I didn't have that on my calendar. But I, I remembered February 17th. I'm like, I looked at my calendar. I'm like, how do I not have that as a reminder? So I put it in there now so I won't forget again. But because uh, next year will be five. That's a pretty big moment for that. But I did that and started started the show with talking about burnout and just real quick snippets to help people with things and then from there wrote my first book which was about my 369 days situation and then started working with individuals and organizations started speaking at conferences tribal net was one of them uh last year it's hard to say last year because it still kind of feels like the same year i know it does uh, but yeah and, and and i spoke at you know you know, close to three dozen events last year. So it was just a, a really productive year in speaking about this topic. And then you know, last year I thought, okay, well, I need to write a burnout book because I'm seeing a lot of different things and picking up some things. So I wrote that, was ready to go. The pandemic hit, I held off on releasing it for a bit. And then this working from home burnout situation came about. I'm like, ooh, I am not done with the book. I got to write another chapter. So I did. And, you know, talk about what working from home burnout is, what it looks like and how to deal with it. And, and then got that together and, you know, launched the book uh, earlier this year. And uh, it's been, you know, a very productive 2021 as well. So that's a very long winded answer on what breakfast leadership is all about. I figured I didn't go into my childhood and growing up in Detroit, which we talked about in the, the pre-show and all of that good stuff. But uh, so plenty from you for you to pick through uh, on, yeah. on that. Well, it's great because you can, you, you almost need that to see the progression and how it all kind of fits together. Like it's incredible to see, you know, when you're at your lowest and how you can build that up by making the right choices. So one thing that I was interested that you said is that you know um, when you were working with some of your executives uh, in in the Toronto healthcare industry, and you noticed you could tell that they were on the verge of burnout. 
how do you know that? Is it like a look? Is it their attitude? Like what, what is that? How would, how would I find that in somebody? There's, there's a lot of things you can do, especially if you know, it helps if you know them well, if you, if you're just walking down the street and you look at somebody, if they look tired and fatigued, they may have just had a bad night's sleep because you've never seen them before. So you don't know, but if you know these people and you've known them for a while and you see them and they visibly look different, they look fatigued, you know, there's, their eyes aren't as fresh as they usually are. They're not as spunky or energetic as they normally are, or they're tired, even in their vocal tone. Sometimes you can hear that they're, yeah, everything's going okay. You know, we're having to do this and you, you they sound almost defeated. Uh, so you, those are some signs that you can see just, you know, a quick glance. But, you know, most of the signs that you see for people that are burning out is, you know, if they're not getting sleep, not consistently anyway, um, that takes a toll on their body. If they're, um, if you notice, you know, dramatic shifts in weight, you know, again, th- these are people that you know. If you notice, you know, either massive weight gain or massive, uh, you know, weight loss, other, you know, other potential ideas on that. If you're working with them directly and they're for, they're all of a sudden more forgetful and they start making more mistakes at work or in life and they're just, you know, being really forgetful about some things, you know, that's another sign. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not like her. Or that's not like him. He's usually pretty spot on with his appointments. What's going on? And then also another sign that you see, again, these are people that you're around a little bit more, is if they're more irritated with things than they used to be, if they're more vocal about things than they used to be. Maybe they're upset with the government's handling of the pandemic or the vaccine deployment or situations at work or, you know, life or their spouse or whatever the case may be. And it's, they, they seem different. You know, those are definitely some potential signs with it. You know, for me, you know, when I was you know working with the healthcare industry, you know, knowing these people and, you know, many of them I've known for well over a decade, you know, I could tell it's like something's off with them and, and, you know, talking with them and explaining what's going on. It's like, okay, you are just working way too many hours. You're not doing things that you enjoy doing because you are allocating all of your hours to work. And a lot of people fall trapped to that, especially in this working remotely situation, because we've lost the visual cues of when we work and when we don't, especially for people that have never worked remotely before. Because you used to, you get up, you go to work, you work, you go home, and you know you have those visual breaks uh, and separation of things. But when your work and your home is the same place, unless you establish some routines around that, you can easily work a whole lot more. You know, there was a study done last year by NordVPN that said Americans, on average, are working twenty percent more hours than they were before the pandemic. That's not sustainable because a lot of people were working some really long hours beforehand. You're you're giving up your leisure time. You're giving up sleep time. That's not healthy. It's going to take a toll on you. Yeah, I can definitely see that. One of the things that I've been trying to do is to only work in my office. Like if I'm like, I'm going to bring my computer downstairs and sit at the table and have my coffee. And then I leave the computer there. It'll be like eight o'clock at night. And I'll be like, I'm going to double check on that. You know what I mean? Then you just get sucked in and you're researching this and you just, there's no boundaries there for between your work and even like your personal life. Cause then I'm on my computer looking up whatever, and I'm not, you know, reading a book to my daughter. And then it, that stresses me out because I didn't spend the time with her and I was in the, you know what I mean? It just kind of snowballs. It seems like. It does. And you know, with 
having three children of my own, you know, that are all adults now, uh, you know, I, I, I look back and I go, where in the world did time go? And it, it, it flies by. It really does. And, you know, getting back to, you know, spending time and the beautiful thing about technology, these, you know, laptop computers, our smartphones, they're great devices. We can work on anything anywhere. But the side effect and the negative aspect is we can work on anything anywhere. And we have to establish our own boundaries around when we work and when we don't. And going back to my dad real quick, he worked at General Motors. He worked in the assembly plants. And, you know, he, for the last, I'd say, 10 years of his career there, he delivered engines to the assembly line. You know, had a forklift, drove them, dropped them off and all of that. I never remember seeing dad bring a forklift or engines home from work. That stayed there. I mean, mentally, he was still processing things, working in the auto sector and the up and downs that that can provide. But he never brought the physical work home. For most of us, our physical work is on these devices. It's all computerized now. And on our, you know, we can access, again, anywhere. So, And we use these devices for other things, too, for personal things, to research, Netflix, you name it, whatever. Uh, looking up recipes on what to make for dinner. All these things, they're great devices. But the problem is we can easily go and click a new tab and say, all right, let's go check my email or let's work on that project plan. And it's nine o'clock at night. And I ask people, if it wasn't for, especially for the working for home problems, if you weren't working from home and you were back in a going to the office kind of thing, would you go in the office at 9 p.m. to work on that spreadsheet? Of course not then why are you doing it at home? It's a challenge thing. And for a lot of people, it's been difficult because so many of us became full-time school teachers during this pandemic as well. That we got to educate our kids. We have to do the work. We have to do this. We have to do this. And it's, it's you know, making sure the kids are on their Zoom calls with their kids. And real quick side story. I saw this last night and I was laughing hysterically. Family had three kids. Two of the three kids were on Zoom calls and all that with their, their school and everything like that. But the third child, and she was eight years old, for some reason, her Zoom connection wasn't working. And this went on for like three weeks. We can't get connected to the class. It's, it won't let us log in. The other kids were able to with their own individual. So back and forth, back and forth. So finally, the teacher said, well, I'm going to send you some assignments for your child to work on, and you can homeschool or and all that till we can figure that out. They even had Zoom on the phone call. The school sent a different computer, laptop thing, everything. Couldn't figure out what was going on until they saw the, the other student or their other sister was in the same room with the kid and the teacher was you know had been to see the other kid trying to log in the computer what the eight-year-old was doing is if you type in the wrong password in zoom like 20 times it will lock your account out for like a long time so that's what she was doing she kept locking herself out of there so she didn't have to go <laughs> to zoom call genius yeah i said that's not She's going to be president one day. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> she's right. Creative. Yeah. Somebody needs. Yeah. I don't know what she's going to do in life, but whatever she does, it's going to be really creative. So I laugh so hard about that. How can you get mad at that girl? That's, that's, that's amazing. So needless to say, they're going to have to write that down. But there's an example where if you're that parent, 
you're supposed to be doing work, but here you are spending hours trying to troubleshoot this connection thing and homeschooling your kids and all of that other stuff. So it's been a challenging time for everybody. And I know that in on top of the actual pandemic itself and the, the COVID virus and things being closed and lockdowns and job losses and there's nothing, there's no shortage of things to be negative about. But the thing of it is, you got to focus on the things you can do. And I think that helps a big way of keeping your stress at a minimum level. I feel like that's a really hard thing to navigate through when you've never had to do it before. You're in the middle of a pandemic and you notice a burnout of your employee, but you don't go into the office anymore. You know, that's a hard thing to try and help your employee while you might be dealing with it too. You know, what are some tips that you tell people to try and at least kind of keep everything at bay or, you know, one thing you need to do is this, is there, is there anything like that that you try yeah. and work with? Oh yeah. On? Yeah. There, yeah. There's definitely a, a handful of things to do. Um, but the top, I'd say the top two are one, get the best amount of sleep you can. And that means making sure that your bed, your mattress, your bedding is the most comfortable sheets, the most comfortable bed you can afford. I know a lot of people don't spend a lot on pillows or maybe they save some money on some sheets and things like that. It's like spend the money. I know we spend money on so many different things. I know money can be a real big challenge for a lot of people right now. But think about it. Where do you spend the most consecutive hours of your day in one spot? It's your bed. And when you sleep, that's when your body repairs the damage that we do to ourselves on a daily basis. It re-energizes, it repairs things while we sleep. But that only happens if you're getting good deep sleep. That's why it's important to have the best mattress and spend the money on that, the pillows. I have neighbors in my condo. Um, I saw him a few weeks ago and the gentleman came in. He had two pillows in his hand, one for him and one for his wife. And each of those pillows were $250 each. Now, a lot of people probably never spent $250 in their entire lifetime on pillows. But for him and his wife, they realized that these pillows were amazing for them and they sleep amazingly well. You know, I spend, I don't spend $250 on one, but it's one of those things for me, important to get good sleep because then when you wake up in the morning, you're refreshed, you feel better, your body feels good. So your body has the ability to navigate through the stressful moments of life. Because if we don't deal with the stress and you don't get a good night's sleep, that stress builds up and builds up over time and time. And then, you know, congratulations, you could have clogged arteries like I did. Not fun, uh, to say the least. Another thing you can do, and this is something I see a lot of people skip doing when they're burning out or working a lot of hours, is they stop doing things in life that they enjoy doing because they don't have time. And we do, we all have time. It's how we prioritize it. We hear the phrase self-care and a lot of people think, okay, that's you know meditation, relaxation techniques, yoga, all kinds of different things. And sure, those are components of it if, if that works for you. But for a lot of people, it doesn't. But self-care also includes doing things you like doing in life, which could be going for a walk or watching movies or going to see friends or going to a coffee shop with your friends or going out to dinner or going out to drink or whatever the case may be. Nature trail. Unfortunately, there's a nature trail literally about five minutes from my condo building. And, you know, here I am in a concrete building across from a big mall, you know, right by highways. I walk five minutes and there's a river and there's ducks and birds and nature 
And the only reason I know that there's a city behind me is I can look behind and I can see the, the condo buildings uh, from there. But other than that, there I am in the middle of nature. And I love doing that because it, it, it grounds me. And, and especially during this pandemic, I go there and I look and go, well, nothing seems to be impacted too much here by this pandemic. And it's just getting back into getting outside, breathing fresh air, moving around, being active and, and schedule these things. A lot of people say, well, I'll do it in between my lunch break. Well, well, here's the deal. Work expands. When you say, okay, I have this hour lunch and I'll do a 20 minute walk, grab my food and then go. Well, you have a meeting at 1130, supposed to end at 12. For some reason, somebody throws in five new agenda items that finishes at 1230. Okay, what do you have time to do? You have enough time maybe to go grab some food real quick, inhale it, and then you're back to work. Guess what? You, you didn't get your walk-in. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, something else comes up. So scheduling those things and not moving them. And again, you if you're working for somebody, you got to you know take that into consideration, but figure out when it makes sense. Because again, the activity, you know, I'm not saying become a gym rat and you know work out all the time, but that activity helps. That helps your body get stronger. So when stress comes, it, it acts more of a shield. It kind of deflects a lot of it. So if you're not doing those things, then that stress goes, oh, okay, I'm just going to start attacking. And that's when you start having physical and mental issues as well, which, of course, impacts your sleep. So it, it tends up being in the cycle of, of, of challenges. So getting good sleep, taking care of yourself. Um, another thing too, I always recommend is working with a nutritionist or a dietitian to find out what food intolerances you have, because your gut bacteria and all of that can impact your sleep as well. Um, yes, I'm sure many of those people are going to tell you, you know, quit eating the fast food restaurants and all that stuff. That's, you know, you can, you can listen to them or not. That's up to you. Uh, but ultimately, in my case, I had several food intolerances. I knew of some of them, but not all of them. And once I phased out those types of foods that I was more or less allergic to, that that really improved my gut bacteria and gut, you know, system more or less, which then means didn't have acid reflux at night, which means I slept better. Stressful situations are going to happen. You cannot eliminate stress. We live in a world with human beings and all kinds of different things going on. It's stressful. But being able to recognize it and be at ease with some of it and navigate through it is going to help a big deal because burnout basically is prolonged stress. You don't go from zero to burnout. You have to have prolonged stress before it turns into burnout. If you don't have prolonged stress, you can't burn out. If you can keep your stress at a minimum and not have it be prolonged, then you won't have to worry about burnout. Which has got to be so important this year, especially, you know, the closures and just so many things that people have, have been experiencing. Taking care of yourself and, and recognizing some of those pieces is so important. When you're a leader of, say, a group, you know, maybe your team is 50 people and you're working to reduce your staff burnout, but at the same time, being aware of your own situation is there any difference, anything different you would suggest to a leader of a team to do for himself or herself versus what they're going to do for a staff? As a leader, most leaders, some, most of them recognize this, some don't. Uh, your team will emulate you. They will watch your patterns, your behaviors, and act like you. As far as if you're working six or seven days a week, your team thinks that they have to as well. That's not sustainable for you as a leader or for your team. You're going to burn your staff out and you're going to have 
massive turnover, you're going to lose key people. You know, who knows? It could be tragic uh, just because the workloads that have been established are just too much. So as a leader, you need to take a look at how you're spending your time. What are you working on? When are you sending messages? Because back when, before my heart attack, you know, sending emails at 6 a.m. in the morning and 11 p.m. at night, which is a no-no. I never do that now. Uh, and I advise leaders to do the same. What are your normal operating hours? Okay, work within those hours. Send, if you're going to send a message, send them within those hours. Don't send them at night. Don't send them on the weekends. Unless for some reason your organization works on those days, then those are normal days, then you know, schedule accordingly. But if you don't send messages after hours on weekends, then you also need to advise your team to not do that as well. Say, look, you have a life outside of work. You should live it. The reason why we work is because we have talents and skills in exchange for compensation. That compensation allows us to have the things and do the things in life that we like to do. Working all the time and you're not able to do the things you like to do, what's the point? Even as a leader, oftentimes I see leaders that are type A driven personalities, have been very successful, and they work these crazy hours and they got to this new executive level and they think they have to work those long hours. And they really don't. They truly don't. I didn't. And I was more successful when I worked less than I was when I worked more. When I work less, what that does is it helps you focus on what am I supposed to be working on right now and work on that. Uh, multitasking is so wrong in so many ways because you, your brain is trying to do 10 different things at once. It's like trying to cook 10 different meals, but you've got four burners on your stove and one of them doesn't work really well. So we all have that stove, I think. Um, so figure out you know, what you need to be doing as an organization, as a leader, and make sure that your team has all the tools that they need to do to do their job. And one of the side effects of this working remotely thing, especially with people working slightly different hours because of other commitments and whatnot, is my ultimate dream and hope is that we get away from the old Henry Ford industrial age assembly line hours, the eight hour work shift, nine to five kind of thing. Get away from that and get to more of a, I'm hiring you as a graphic designer or you are an engineer for this organization or whatever role you are in. Here are your tasks. Here's where all the tools are for you to complete your tasks. This is when it's due. Go. If you need me, I'm over here. Questions, reach out. But let them do their work. Don't, don't micromanage. Don't require them to be on the Zoom camera for eight-hour shifts. Let them do their thing. And, and, and the employer, whenever I have a manager or leader say, well, I don't trust our employees to do that, my, my first question is then, why did you hire them then? If you, don't, if you don't trust them, fire them. If you don't trust them, fire them. Well, we can't do that. They're great employees. Okay, you're confusing me here. You don't trust your employees. Why? You think they're going to sit around and watch Netflix all day? Okay, yeah, maybe they end up doing that. Okay, great, fine. Then you're going you're gonna to see those results in what they produce. Or... You say, here's all the things you need to work on, work on them, get them done. If it takes them two hours to do it or 10 hours or somewhere in between, as long as it gets done in the time you need it done and it's correct and it's good for the client or customer, great, perfect. Obviously, assembly lines and auto plants and things like that, completely different. But for the majority of people that work in office settings, 
that model has never really worked. And burnout was going sky high long before this pandemic. People were disgruntled. There was a study in Canada, Ceridian, which is basically a lot like ADP. They did a study and they said 73% of those surveyed, if they were offered a new job today, would take it. So think about your organization. That'd be almost eight out of 10 people would get up and leave if they were offered a job today somewhere else. Think about that. If that percentage is accurate across the board, that's problematic and employers need to change. And how do they change? Have dialogue with your teams, trust your employees, seek input on what would make things better for them to make it better for the customers and everybody involved. You do that, your quality of your products and services will increase. You'll have happier, healthier employees that won't miss work, that will stay there and be loyal to you as an organization because you're creating an environment that they want to thrive in and grow in. It's not that difficult, but I find it so hard for a lot of these organizations to grab onto that because they can't let go of this. We have to control it. Control what? What are you trying to control? It's like, what do you, what do you, what do you do as an organization? You look in the mirror and say, who are we? What do we do? Do that. And uh, sometimes people just get so lost in all that. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic over the next few years once all of this kind of shapes up and you know the pandemic is uh, mercifully behind us and we can uh, go about our business to whatever normal is going to look like. And that's what will be interesting to see where burnout levels land because I think a lot of people that have been working remotely that are doing well and aren't stressing out and all of that, they're going to have a difficult time wanting to go back to the way things were because I don't think it worked. So it's going to be really interesting dynamic to see how that shapes up. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you to bring you to their organization, I'm assuming, are you doing virtual events right now? I'm, you know, obviously you did TribalNet virtually, so. Yes, I, I do virtual stuff and working with organizations do that quite a bit, um, you know, with, you know, with Zoom and uh, Zencaster and everything else, there's plenty of platforms to do it. Um, so yeah, the best way to find me, breakfastleadership.com is where, you know, the way the website is. I'm on social media as well. Um, you can look me up. Uh, if you look under hashtag breakfast leadership, you'll find a bunch of stuff there. My email address is michael at breakfastleadership.com. And um, send me an email there. I'm more than happy to have conversation with your teams to you know, help prevent burnout. Because if you can prevent burnout in your organization, your employees are going to be healthier and happier, which will reduce insurance claims or absentee and turnover, but also you're going to get the best out of them. And if you get the best out of them, then the products and services you offer are going to be better, which means you're going to stand out above and beyond your competitors, which is going to do wonders for your organization and growth and everything else just by taking care of your employees and making sure they're they're mentally and physically healthy. You do that, uh, it, it pays huge dividends for years to come. I will make sure to have all those links in our uh, show notes for the podcast, including your podcast, which um, you can be found on all the platforms, I'm guessing. Yeah, there's some that I'm on that I didn't even know I was on. So somehow it gets aggregated everywhere. Thank you so much. I'll have all those links in our podcast. And I appreciate um, taking the time today to talk. It was a great conversation that's you know, I think it's on everyone's mind is burnout and how to prevent it. And I, I learned a lot today um, just talking to you. So I hope everybody else takes a listen and reaches out to uh, see what they can do for their team. So thank you so much. You can learn more about the Breakfast Leadership Network 
at breakfastleadership.com. And you can find out about Michael's podcast by searching the Breakfast Leadership Network show wherever you listen. If you have a topic for our show or would have a story to share, please contact us at michelleb at tribalhub.com. Don't forget to subscribe and follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. Connect with all of us here by searching Tribal Hub on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or visit our webpage at tribalhub.com. Thanks for listening.